Father, let the words of my mouth be honoring and glorifying to you. Amen. So the passage I decided to work through today is one that we're all pretty familiar with, I'm sure. It's the passage in Luke 10, the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus. And I wanted to give attention to this story that we've all heard many times over, because sometimes I feel that this story is a bit misconstrued, at least in my mind. I feel like this story is sometimes told in a way that hospitality and service don't matter, in a way that hospitality and service come second to whatever we could do for Jesus, which in my mind, that doesn't, it's like, wait, Jesus, you have told so many other things. How is that so? And so let's take a bit of a closer look at this story. Martha invites Jesus into her home. And it's a story about how these two women actually relate to Jesus, how they're supposed to relate to Jesus, what their perspective of Jesus is. It's not simply a story that is a call to devotion to Christ through prayer and spiritual discernment. That's not what the story is about. Devotion to Christ never comes at the expense of true hospitality. And so this story is not an opportunity to shirk our responsibility to our neighbor, to our sister, to anyone. That is not what this is. Luke, like all the other gospel writers, is very intentional about where he puts the stories in his whole narrative about the gospel. And it's no surprise that this narrative comes directly after the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a man or Samaritan goes above and beyond, well above and beyond the call to duty to help his neighbor, help somebody who is in trouble. And we've seen Jesus describe this Samaritan as being just full of love, understanding who his neighbor is, and has a deep sense of what God is calling him into. But he did what was culturally unexpected as well, even though it was nonetheless the right thing to do. Yet here we kind of get a different response from Jesus to Martha's question than what could be suggested by the parable of the Good Samaritan. Having just told an expert of the law to go follow the Samaritan's example, he now tells Martha that Mary has chosen the better part. That unlike doing service, what Mary is doing, which maybe is neglecting service, is better, is more important. Instead of serving, Mary is invited to stay at Jesus' feet. The narrative itself gives us a, a very clear message in my mind. The best thing we can possibly do, the thing as it stands that gives us eternal life, is sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. So what is Mary doing? To understand Mary's position and Jesus' response to it, we must come to recognize that Mary is acting well outside the norms of her culture. She's a woman first, and so she's expected to help in the serving of the food, in the hosting of the guest, who is in this case Jesus. Normally she'd be preparing food, you know, she'd be serving tableside. She wouldn't be just kind of 
lounging around with Jesus. That would be an affront to the people of her time and the normal way of doing things. And second, and very importantly, at that time, rabbis didn't teach women. Women weren't allowed to sit with the rabbi of the day, whoever it is, the authority figure, and learn from them as a student. And that is what's happening here. Mary is a student of Jesus. And Jesus, who is very much a rabbi, he's like classified as a rabbi many times throughout the gospel, seems nonetheless unfazed by Mary's presence and continues on with his conversation with whoever is there, including Mary. And this means that, make no mistake, for Mary, this choice is incredibly intentional. What she's doing is not, she didn't just step in the room and decide, oh, I'm going to sit down for a little bit. No. She knows exactly what the cultural norms would be for her, and she chooses to sit at Jesus' feet. She chooses the thing that would not appear appropriate. There's no reason to think that Mary would be oblivious to her responsibilities to uh, her family, obviously, including Martha. She probably should be serving or, or doing something other than sitting there and learning from Jesus. It's a deliberate choice, much to the chagrin of her sister and all the men who were likely there, although they're conspicuously silent for this story. Uh, they might as well have been wallpaper. Um, <laughs> This story, and that's important too, because this story is about Jesus and two women. It's about Jesus and two women who both would have understood what their place is or whatever their place is, it wasn't with the rabbi. Mary intentionally rejects that idea and behaves as a student of the Lord Jesus. Now, Martha, from her perspective, rightfully interjects in their little powwow and calls her sister back to reality. She appeals to the greatest authority in the house to back her up. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me with all the work? Mary's clearly neglecting every task that she's responsible for. And Martha over here is having to do double duty to make up for it. To be clear, Martha got the memo about Jesus. She's not oblivious either. She knows what Jesus is about. She's on board for Jesus. She invited him over for dinner and spent the whole afternoon and evening, evening serving for him. And from the way the story is told, it was probably a pretty good meal. And there's a lot, probably many courses involved. <laughs> and so Martha is serving Jesus in the ways that she knows how. She's serving him within what could be expected of her and within the expectations that she has on herself. In a way, she's trying to get close to Jesus any way she knows how, on her own terms. And she's kind of assumed that Jesus will honor whatever she's decided to do. She knows that Jesus has concern for her. Again, she's on board for Jesus. Hence why she can say rhetorically, Lord, don't you care? Do you not care what's happening here? Don't you see what's happening around you? That this woman is neglecting me and doesn't care about breaking the rules. And 
in some sense, perhaps Jesus is okay, you know, with accommodating Martha in this way, to go along with her well-intentioned efforts to be around him in ways that she's familiar and comfortable with. But he's also inviting her into something more. Also inviting her into something more. He says lovingly, Martha, Martha. You are distracted by many things, but there is need for only one thing. It's kind of like, (laughs) not on your terms, Martha, but on mine. Who is the real host here? To understand this, I've kind of been on a journey, (laughs) as we all have. About five, back, about five years back, I received a keen sense of affirmation from the Lord that I was to step into Christian ministry. And at the time, five years ago, 2017, I was wrestling with God's words, trying to understand faithfully what he wanted from me and for me. And I let God do that kind of course correction he really did shift my life, change the direction of my life that was necessary to guide me on a better path towards the call of ministry. And so in that time, I was working in a church daily. I was constantly volunteering for stuff. I was all over the place in, this is back in Canada, at my home church. And I was doing many good things for God. I considered what I was doing as like the way that I was relating to the Lord. But I've realized in hindsight that somewhere along the way, I decided that I could fill in the gaps of what God wanted for my life. I could, you know, I I knew I had this call of ministry, right? I got the memo. But maybe it's my kind of ministry and not, you know, I could do what I wanted, not necessarily, I didn't ask God about it necessarily. I assumed that what God wanted from me was what I was doing already, And it came to the point where I was ignoring the state of my own soul, even as I progressed through uh, ministry and my degree and then also through seminary. But my service was a crutch for my soul and a fairly poor one at that. My good works and good grades uh, could not energize my spirit (laughs) and soften my heart. What I see in Martha is something that I see in myself. I set, the, I set my own terms for communion with God. Jesus, however, leaves no room for us to set the terms. He is the real host. He is the real protagonist of this story. Make no mistake. Martha invited him in, but Jesus is setting the terms. We do not control the means by which God will speak to us. He will speak when and where he finds it to be right. And what we have to do is we hope that we listen well when he does. And make no mistake, God is not stingy. He will speak to us at every turn if we turn to him. If we want to hear his voice and desire, of course there's periods of silence, but he wants to speak to us. So Mary and Martha's story is a caution to us, yes, but it is mostly an invitation. Jesus wants 
Martha and Mary to listen well and hear what he has to say. Again, this story is not telling us that our days need to be consumed by sitting around and praying at the expense of getting anything done. We hear the word of God first and act accordingly. God's words for us contextualize our action. Even more importantly, even more importantly though, Jesus is inviting Martha, inviting all of us, to be with him personally. Over anything that we can apply to our lives, over any knowledge that we could possibly extract from him, what he wants, what Jesus simply wants, is to be near to us. He wants to be near to us. Mary understood this and also wanted to be near to him. The one thing that is needed, the one thing that is needed, is Jesus himself. We know, well, our listening to Jesus brings us closer into relationship with him. And we know that, and we know Jesus better when we pay attention to what he says, and what he wants, and what he delights in. Apart from any striving that we might engage in, Jesus first requires us to sit at his feet and listen. And for the most part, we at Church of the Redeemer do this very well. I've, as a church, we're committed to administering the sacraments and hearing the word of the Lord, the ordinary means of grace, but these are means where Christ is very present, very present in our lives, and we see him and we know him through them. We experience Christ's real presence and receive from him in power these, from these important and vital actions in the church. It is a part of the reason I came to this church, because I saw how seriously you took, the, like how seriously this body takes the Lord's Supper and Scripture. And it was very important to me, and I hope it's important to you. I want to encourage you to recognize and listen to Christ in a third way also, though. A third way, through the love of your neighbor. So you may, this harkens back also to the Good Samaritan story. And I do think that these two stories are vitally linked and that they fit together in the whole passage. Love for our neighbor requires us to be attentive to him or her. I remember my chaplain at my old school uh, used to say, don't just do something, stand there. And don't just do something, stand there. Obviously, we've all heard the opposite. Don't just stand there, do something. But what he was saying was, it was a reminder to me, in order to serve, I had to listen to the heart of that person I am serving. Christ promised us that he would be present where two or three are gathered. Should we not expect to listen to him in others also? St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, about 500 or so years ago, um, he worked with the simple principle that we minister to the Christ in the other person. And this is a very common mantra of Jesuits and uh, early uh, Catholics of that era, was we see Christ in the people that we serve. We see them in the other. And sisters and brothers, I think that listening well to Christ today must involve this. It must defer to listening to others well. 
Not only reading scripture, of course we read scripture, of course. Not only administering the sacraments, receiving the sacraments, of course we do that. But we also listen to each other well. Let us be like Mary and be intentional about sitting at Jesus' feet wherever we find him. And truthfully, we find him in the most unlikely places. Grace is always pouring downward. And we find that grace pools in the lowest places. And that's where it springs up again as well. We earnestly strive to see and know Jesus where he is found. Because frankly, he's ascended. He's not physically here with us. But we will always find him in the least of these and in each other and in scripture. It is crucial for us to recognize Christ in all of these places. Remember, friends, that all of these ways of knowing Jesus are done in community. What does it look like to listen to Jesus? It looks like administering the sacraments, studying the word, and loving our neighbor. It doesn't take a whole lot of processing, at least for me, to understand that this is not my first impulse. I'm like Martha. Maybe you are like Martha. We want to maintain comfortable boundaries and expectations that we have set upon ourselves or that the culture has set upon us. We don't want to be too close sometimes, but may God grant us the humility to see Christ in the places and people that we did not expect. Amen.